You're listening to the Prevailing Word podcast channel and also on our Prevailing Word live YouTube channel. I'm Pastor Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening. Let's get right into the message. The book of Jude, beginning at verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, a brother of James, to those who were called, sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning the concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to all, or delivered rather to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turned the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Infiltration and intruders in the church. Uh, We shouldn't be surprised at the things that are before our eyes, things that perhaps some of us have never seen before. We thought that we would go back to some semblance of normalcy, but the times that we're living in isn't normal. I kind of figured that after COVID that people would come to their senses and realize that the the landscape has changed. Culture is now at the forefront of our eyes and they are no longer in hiding. They are out in the open like we've never seen before. Um, there are a lot of people that think, well, we're, we're going to go back to some, some measure of normalcy. And if you look very careful, you will see that we're not anywhere close to what we had in 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016. We're not anywhere close to these things. Um, so I want to a preface by saying these things. Uh, when the Trump administration came into uh, play in 2016, it interrupted the Great Reset. He was removed from office, uh, impeached twice, and now the Great Reset is back in play. For instance, A federal appeals court bars the Biden administration from forcing Catholic groups to provide transgender care. In other words, they wanted the federal government to lead the way to care for people that want to transition 
from male to female and female to male. But a federal appeals court uh, stopped the Biden administration from forcing Catholic churches to provide transgender care. Now, I'm not a Catholic, and nor do I uh, believe in Catholicism because Catholicism is um, not sound doctrine. That's why you have Protestants and Catholics. The Protestants are ones that protest Catholic doctrine. So what's the point? The point really is forcing true believers to comply or die. We see evidence of this in Revelation chapter 13, verse 11 through 18, where if anyone does not take the mark of the beast, then they were killed for a refusal to comply. We see this with the vaccines. The vaccines, if you do not take this vaccine, we will take your job away from you. These are evidences of Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18, before our eyes. Here's another thing that is happening in uh, the world today, in particular the United States. The TSA, which is the Transportation uh, Safety Authority, or uh, you know the, the people that are dressed in blue, if you've been to the airport, blue and black, uh, they're there to uh, make sure that people fly on airlines safely. This was instituted since 9-11. And so we are used to their presence. But here's something that is of note today. The TSA plans to take Facial recognition technology nationwide. Now, some of you may be aware of facial recognition technology on your phones. Certain applications and certain ways you can open up your phone simply by putting it up to your face and the camera scans your face. And it is able to determine that you are the one that is authorized to see what's in this phone. This type of facial recognition technology is worldwide, in particular in China. Some of you may be familiar with a Chinese social system, that there's cameras everywhere, and there is nowhere that you can walk in China and not be seen by way of camera. But it takes a, it takes a scan of you as a person, and you are in their system. And if you do something that the Communist Party doesn't like, even in the streets, it goes against your social credit score. They won't be able to let you fly on certain flights, go to certain stores, uh, do certain things, take out money. It's getting that deep with facial recognition technology, and it's here in the United States. The screenings dubbed credit authentication technology with camera. Let me say that again. Credit author authentication technology with camera, now known as CAT2, were, ro were rolled out by the Department of Homeland Security in 2017 as part of a pilot program and involved scanning flyers, faces, at the TSA checkpoint and comparing the images 
to the traveler's documents, such as their driver's license or passports. And if you think that is something, in Nigeria, on the continent of Africa, they will not allow you to take more than $45 out of your checking account if you do not go into digital currency. In other words, they have control of your account if you're not in the digital currency system. So we're seeing an an uptick of what I would call totalitarian dominance, which lines up with Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. What is this about? The world's great reset is all about the Tower of Babel revisited. Men becoming one against God with a twist. Destroy and rid God and the righteous. If you will, go to Psalm 2, the second division of Psalm. Beginning at verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers to take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, meaning the Lord. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath. But when will the Lord speak to them in his wrath? That's the book of Revelation starting at at chapter 5 and finishing up in chapter 19. Some of you may well know that the wrath of God is poured out in three sections of seven. The seven seals on a scroll, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. The seven bowls are the final portion of his wrath that he will pour out upon the nations of those that refuse the will of God. Verse six in Psalm two, yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. And just in case you don't know what Zion is, it is Jerusalem. I have set my king on my holy hill of Jerusalem. I will declare and decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, speaking of Jesus. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. What does it mean to kiss the son? It it means to pay homage to him. Remember, God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. God anointed his son alone, nobody else. 
Kiss the son, lest he be angry. The son will be angry and he will, according to Revelation chapter 19, pour out his anger, which is a combination of his anger and the wrath of God in full strength. Kiss the son, lest you be angry. Pay homage to him and you perish in the way. See, the Lord doesn't want you to perish. Jesus said it in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's, the, that's what the kiss the Son means. To, to pay homage to the Son by way of repentance from dead works and faith towards God through Christ alone. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. For the few true believers, it too was a reset. A reset in the sense of banding of, of, of rather uh, destroying the doctrine, false doctrine, and returning to basic sound doctrine. The scriptures is clear. Personal interpretations, opinions, commentaries, and theories is in scripture. One thing I've noticed is that People are moving from theory, from commentaries, and coming back to the solid teaching of the scriptures. But others haven't. For instance, there was uh, an individual that is well known by perhaps some of you by the name of Jamal Bryant. Who talked about, well, we need men to sell cannabis in church. And I said, wait, wait a minute. See, they're using code word. They don't want to say marijuana. They don't want to say smoking dope. They don't want to use smoking cheap. No one use any of that or smoking grass. No, they want to call it cannabis because that's what culture wants you to do. Culture wants you to rename a known drug that definitely impairs your senses. It's called being under the influence. See, when you're under the influence of whether it's a drink or a drug, your ability to think disappears. And you want men to come into your church to be members of your church to sell cannabis in church? Well, way before that, I've already determined that Jamal Bryant was one of those individuals that crept in unawares. And so we have to be very mindful that not every preacher is a true preacher. And that's why Paul said what he said in the book of Galatians chapter one. In fact, turn there, if you will, because we've some of you have seen it before. But it's good to see it again. Galatians chapter 1, verse 8. 
And Paul says, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if he's saying once and then twice, he, it, it is intended for you to understand exactly what he is saying. Just in case you miss it, because I mean, I'm included in that bunch too. We, we all don't catch it the first time. Sometimes we in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and infinite times. So that way we will get it. So Paul says it again. If anyone preaches any of the gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. So Paul puts himself in this category. He doesn't exclude himself because He's telling us that I am not final authority. Only God is and his word. And that's why you see a whole lot of people examining pastors. They're now examining what they're saying and, and holding the light over everybody that gets up on YouTube and other social media and and. And saying, wait a minute, that, that don't sound right. For instance, with T.D. Jakes and modalism and one uh, Pentecostal oneness doctrine. Came out on the scene as a great fiery preacher, woman thou art loosed and all that. Became, became very popular with that message. But underneath all that was something of unsound doctrine that he was never called on it. Until recently, modalist doctrine is when you believe that God shows up in three manifestations, and the Bible doesn't teach that. God the Father is a person. God the Son is a person. God the Holy Spirit is a person, not a mode, not a manifestation. They're persons. With, with omniscient power, omnipotent power. They are God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is God combined, unified. And all of a sudden we want to lower them and say that they're just a manifestation of the one true God that doesn't line up with Scripture. Case in point, Genesis chapter 1 is a very good example. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the, deep, of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So now you see God created, now you see the Spirit of God hovered. Then God said, let there be light. Who was the one that said, let there be light? Jesus. Because it ties in with John chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning was the word the word was with God and the word was God. It was Jesus that said, let there be light. So God created the worlds through him, the Bible says in Colossians. And the power of the Holy Spirit did exactly what Jesus spoke. And so how can you say that there are manifestations when all three showed up and created everything that we now see today. 
And so we have peddlers in the pulpits of today. Peddlers are individuals that come with a sort of kind of doctrine of Christ. And then all of a sudden it sounds strange. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound consistent with scripture. You see, they crept in unnoticed, unaware because they, they crept in with teaching that is inconsistent with the scriptures by using the scriptures. And that's why you have to study, study, study to show yourselves approved unto God. You have to study the word of God. That's why you have to be careful with your emotions. Because your emotions is the way by which they enter your thoughts and, and pervert the gospel within you. That's why you have to be very careful with who you listen to, including me. You have to be very careful. You have to study on your own. You have to ask the Lord, show me the scriptures. And so we have peddlers in the pulpit and they are everywhere. These peddlers show up in places where we thought they, that it's safe. And that's why when you hear so much of the word of faith and charismatic camps, we got to realize that the charismatics were partially under Catholicism. And when they claim that the Holy Spirit came in and gave them other tongues, we've noticed that none of them left Catholicism. They stayed with it. How can you use Mary as an intermediary to pray to the Father, which is idolatry, and stay in that if you claim that the Holy Spirit came in there? It doesn't make sense. And so that's why they, they get over by using signs, wonders, and miracles, because by using those things, you want to see something powerful. But if anybody has ever noticed anything, nothing really powerful took place, if you really took note. And that's why I've always said that uh, you, you got Holy Spirit power? Okay, prove that you got it. Go into the hospitals. Go, go into the hospitals and, and, and heal people that have no legs. Let's, let's see you do that. Let's, let's see you grow an arm or a leg. Let's, let's see you do that. But no, they always show up in venues like churches, arenas, and, and uh, 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 places of, of, of gatherings. And they always heal the diseases that you can't see. And they don't have any doctors unbiased doctors sitting in their services to prove that a healing took place. You don't see them there. Why? Because nothing is going on. The peddlers, and they're using our emotions to pull us into doctrine that isn't sound. And so that's why we have to 
be very careful never to allow our emotions to be used by them because that is the way by which they enter in and deceive many. So uh, be very careful of these individuals. Be very, very careful because they are out there by the by the boatload. So now, uh, uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And that's why it's very important that we... Uh, we, we, we govern ourselves um, with the Bible and, and govern ourselves in accordance with uh, the scriptures as far as, oh, that's the reason why. Um, all right, so, so Paul says it like this in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 and, and verse 4. That the one? No, that's not it. Um, that's not the scripture that I wanted. If I can get my fingers to work right. It's something when my mind works faster than my fingers and I type the wrong thing. First Corinthians, first Corinthians chapter two, verse four. And Paul says this, and my speech and my preaching we're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we have to now determine what the power of God is, because once we determine what the power of God is, then that is what we gravitate ourselves to. That's what we grow to. That's what we go to. Because Paul says in my speech and my preaching, we're not with persuasive words of Human wisdom. You see, human wisdom is wisdom that is of this world. Wisdom that sound good, but is never truth. It is always associated with a person's personality. And so they will use their personality behind the human wisdom to deceive you. In other words, their personality is coupled with their emotions. And that's why I've always say that emotions is not evidence of an anointing. Truth is evidence of the anointing. And so Paul says in my speech and my preaching, we're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So now we have to determine, determine what is the power of God. And that's found in uh, the book of Romans chapter one and verse 16. We're going to determine what the power of God is. Now, don't get me wrong about the gifts of the spirit. The gifts of the spirit do show power, but the core of the power is found in one place only. Look at verse 16 in Romans chapter one, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The power of God is the gospel. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus said this. He said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is the good news. What is good news? 
Well, first, the bad news. We all have to die. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 simply says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5 tells us that by one man's sin, death entered the world. And death was passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And so the gospel comes as good news. That God had sent his son to die for our sins. Jesus said in the book of uh, John, he said, it is finished, meaning that the debt that man owes, he is released from. But it requires one thing of us. It requires repentance. That's why Jesus said what he said in Mark chapter one and verse 15. Repent. To repent means to turn 180, not 360. To repent means that you have godly sorrow for the sin, that you've offended God with your sin, and that you now place faith on Christ alone. And then he offers us eternal life through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, by way of the new birth. Remember John chapter 3 and verse 3, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, he said, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And so this good news, this gospel is that we have been released from a debt that we can never repay. And that through his son, we have eternal life. And that's the power of God. That's what's before us as the true gospel. Then after we are saved, we have been born again from above by, by water and by the word. We have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Now the rubber meets the road. It is now a life of strict obedience to his will every moment of our lives. To stop sinning against God, to live holy before God, that's the whole objective of the gospel. But the era that we're living in now, we see that many of the false teachers and the false prophets that are among us after the COVID incident have returned to business as usual. They're preaching false doctrine with de deceitful covetous practices. You know what they're trying to do? They're creating a kingdom for themselves instead of making disciples of Christ. Be careful. Never make yourself a follower after man. Go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 33. So they all crept in unaware. In other words, nobody really noticed because we thought that they were Individuals that were safe to listen to. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 33, we see this. When they heard this, they were furious, meaning the Sanhedrin, and plotted to kill them. Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, Gamaliel rather, Gamaliel, a, a teacher of the law held in respect by all the people and commanded them, meaning uh, uh, Peter and John to put the uh, commanded them rather the, the them the the uh, the 
police that were around uh, the, the, the Jewish soldiers that were around in the Sanhedrin commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up claiming to be somebody. And see, that's how false prophets and false teachers, they start out. They always claim to be somebody. For instance, when they begin to say, I'm operating in all nine manifestations of the gifts of the spirit. And all of a sudden you begin to say, wow, you're impressed. And so you just believe that they have all nine gifts of the spirit operating and you come to their services. Never be impressed by an individual that brag about the power of God. And they never prove anything about possessing God's power. So Theodos rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, like, like a mega church, right? 400 is a large number, right? No, that's, that's, that's like a mini mega church. 400 joined him. He was killed or slain. And all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. You see, there's a difference between somebody teaching you to obey Christ and they telling you to obey me. Whenever you have individuals that say, obey me, obey what I tell you, you need to get out of there quickly. Disappear, walk away. Because they're not worth following because they'll end up dead. Like Jim Jones down in Guyana, South America. Remember, remember that several years ago? He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in those days of the census and drew away many people after him and drew away many people after him. You see, when it's all about the preacher, when it's all about the preacher, you are in trouble. That preacher is going to lead you astray. And all who obeyed him were dispersed. In other words, they got chased. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan of or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. You see, it's very easy to determine who is of God and who isn't. If it's of men, it will fail. If it's of God, it will succeed. Very simple, very easy. Anything that is of men will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it unless you even be found to fight against God. Go now into Acts chapter 20 and verse 23. We're going to see Paul's warning about those who crept in unawares. And, and here at the time, uh, he called for the elders at Ephesus to come and be taught some things before Paul would die by the hands of the Romans. Here in Acts chapter 20 and verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that chains and tribulations await me, meaning Paul. They, they, wait, they wait for me when I go. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom 
I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. This is his uh, uh, farewell to the elders at Ephesus. But look at verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent, innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. You see, one of the things that I want to point out before I read the rest of this is the fact that Paul did not stop at just certain parts of the word. He said, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. You see, when the preacher is only giving you a narrative, that's very dangerous. That's why we take time to read the scriptures in its fullness so that way you can understand the whole counsel of God. That's why when they give you bits and pieces, and here's the other thing, when they give you bits and pieces but never prove it out themselves, that's a danger. Paul said, I, I told you the whole counsel. I didn't leave anything out. I didn't hold anything back. And that's what preachers, true preachers will do. We will not hold anything back because we want you to have the whole counsel of God. That's why you've seen a whole lot of changes, especially in the area of giving. With tithes and offerings, you've seen an incredible change because I failed to give you the whole counsel of God in that regard. And when I gave the whole counsel of God in that regard, I had to look at it from the perspective of the scriptures alone and not try to bring one area of scripture tithes into the New Testament. Because nowhere do we see the head of the church teach or commanded the people to give tithes. And Paul, being a Pharisee, knows all about the Old Testament. Wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be consistent for him to teach tithing? But he even recognized that tithing was only given to one nation, and that was the nation of Israel, to meet the needs, first of all, to, to satisfy the command of God, to give God 10%. But that 10% was given to the Levites because they had no inheritance. Their sole job was the tabernacle. So God used tithes to support the Levites in their work of the tabernacle. But we do not see this carrying over into the New Testament. And that's why we give you the whole counsel of God. So that way you can be fully aware of how you are to conduct yourselves in the house of God in the area of tithes and offerings. But we don't do tithes. We give offerings because we just don't see the command of the Lord Jesus giving to the church. And again, remember, this is as a side. Again, just remember that and this is in uh, uh, Numbers uh, 22, um, that the Levites had no inheritance, so God had to provide the Levites with a means by which they would be able to support themselves without having to work. The only thing that the Lord commanded as far as the area of giving was, was that those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. In other words, be dependent upon the gospel. But Paul said, I don't take any of these things. So it's an option to be in full-time ministry as opposed to, for, for, for anyone that is in ministry, but God commanded it through the Lord Jesus Christ, but it 
we, we don't have to. It's an option. Uh, so we, we try to give you uh, the whole counsel of God and not hold anything back. And that's what Paul is saying here. We don't want to get we don't want want to hold anything back. We want to give you the entire counsel of God. But in light of what took place in Acts chapter five with following Theudas, Theudas and Judas, they were taking people to follow them and not God. Verse 28, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock of God, among among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased, which he purchased with his own blood. So God purchased us through his son. We've been we've been bought and nobody else owns us. The pastor don't own you. The preacher don't own you. Only God through the blood of his son owns us. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. In other words, from the outside, savage wolves will come in. But see, the thing is about, the thing that I'm understanding about savage wolves is this, that they will eat you up, eat everything that you own, and it's like a lion chewing on you but you don't feel the pain. And that's what you have in churches. You see ravenous wolves in, in certain places tearing up the flock, but you don't even recognize that you're in pain. You just go along with the flow because they, they must be God. They must be, they must be teaching us right about God. But the pain begins when they take money from you, money that you need to pay bills with. When they abuse you, like there was this one pastor, he, he, he had since repented. I don't know if his repentance is real, but it was caught on, on, on camera. It was caught on TV. He decided to, to, to rail his people because they gave him an offering that wasn't expensive. And his rant was captured on camera. Completely raped the people instead of showing appreciation. And that's what the kind of people that you have in the pulpits today. Savage wolves. I mean, they, they, they bite and devour people and you're in shock. And that's the reason why you don't feel the pain. You just... Shocked that they're doing this, but you don't really make a correction and say, wait a minute, that's wrong. That's not in the scriptures and walk out because when feet walk, money walk. Savage wolves are among the people today. For I know this, that after my departure, verse 29, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perver perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. And that's why you have Judas and Judas. They were drawing away disciples after themselves. But see, notice what's happening. What's happening is that people on the outside will come in as savage wolves and people will be raised up within the work as savage wolves. To do what? To do what? To draw away the disciples 
after themselves. And that's why Paul continues and says, therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Watch what's going on in your local churches. Watch what's going on in this church. Watch what's going on. We're seeing that there is a, a convergence, in other words, a coming together on a rapid pace, the end times. Go to Romans chapter 13, if you would, please. Romans 13 and verse 11. We're seeing that there is a, 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 a rapid pace of final events happening before our eyes like we've never seen before. Some of the things that I've spoken about, about the TSA and uh, facial recognition and, and COVID and all those other things, uh, vaccination. We're seeing these things like we've never seen before. But before, it used to be that if you want to see your doctor, see your doctor and, and, and have a nice day. If See your, a doctor that you trust about this disease. No, you say you must take. This is a mandate. We're going to mandate everybody to take a vaccine. We've never seen that before. Well, what is that? That is a clear sign that things are picking up and, and, and coming together as far as the last days are concerned. But also at the same time, we're seeing ravenous wolves rise up. And, you know, you kind of figured that the events of our times would cause us to search the scriptures to see what's happening so that we can watch. But they've gone back to business as usual. Look at verse 11 in Romans chapter 13. And do this knowing that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. You talk about woke. We all know that woke on the evil is about uh, evil things, but we need to be awake in the body of Christ. To awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Some of us have been in the faith a long time. 30 years, 40 years. And we all said back then that the Lord is coming, but we never understood the magnitude by which things would happen to compel us to further examine the scriptures and see that from the time that we said that the Lord is coming and what we're seeing today now, we know the Lord is coming. It should wake everybody up out of their sleep, but it hasn't. People have gone back to sleep. For instance, Creflo Dollar. You know, you kind of figure, you know, that that he's somewhat borderline safe. And then all of a sudden, Stacey Abrams shows up in his church and called her governor, Stacey Abrams. You didn't call her out on the sin of abortion and homosexuality, excuse me, sodomy. You didn't call, you didn't call that out. But you agreed with the platform, and that said he came in unaware. Creflo Dollar is one of those individuals that came in unaware. Seemed like he was preaching the gospel. Seemed like he came in the front door, but he crept in, and nobody really noticed until he gave away the, the, what's in the bag. The cat's out of the bag now. We know exactly who he represents, and sure enough, is in Christ. Because how can you agree with darkness and you can't? For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. 
The night is far spent. The day is at hand. In other words, we we've had our time, but now we're a lot along. We're further along in terms of the timeline of the last days. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. What what does that mean? The day is at hand. The day of the Lord. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness. You know, stop partying, y'all. That's what carousal, carousal means. But it also means this, a, a reveling. A nocturnal and riotous procession of half-drunken and frolicsome fellows who after supper parade through the streets with torches and music in honor of Bacchus or some other deity and sing and play before houses of males and female friends. Hence used generally of feasts and drinking parties that are protracted till late at night and indulge in revelry. Much like when the homosexuals parade in the streets in lewdness and lust. Continuing in Romans 11, uh, Romans 13, verse 13, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the lust for the flesh to fill its lust. In other words, run from this because there is nothing but trouble that will come after this. Go to us, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and uh, verse 14, Paul tells us what we must do by the Spirit of God. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. In other words, don't, don't be running buddies with unbelievers. What I mean by running buddies, it means that you don't mind their wickedness. And you're sitting there and you're sucking all that in. And, and you don't mind their lewdness, their wickedness. And you're being influenced by them. And that's why we have places of, of worship. I mean, years ago, we had places of worship where we, we allowed homosexuals to come in, uh, excuse me, sodomites to come in and, and play piano and play organ. We had no problem with that. Because, you know, back then, back then our mindset was simply this, that uh, they're just little ACDC, you know, they, we, we make joke about it, but we didn't understand the seriousness of the depravity that they were living, that men were taking themselves and putting themselves in the behinds of men, such lewdness and wickedness. But you see, the reason why that's excused is because the deacon was running around with the church secretary. The pastors were running around with other men's wives. And, and none of this was preached against. It was all under the rug. 
And that's why all this lewdness now that's coming out, they're looking at the church as you need to accept us because we've been doing this a long time. Doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. It is still an abomination before God. Because if they see that we tolerate certain levels of sin, then the sin that they're in is demanded to be tolerated. So do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? There is no fellowship. I mean, if you're if you are obeying the law and someone else is disobeying the law, can we sit down and talk and have a conversation? Because what's happening is, is that lawlessness is now considered lawful. We see it here in the United States. We see it here in New York City. Just last just last week, an individual was had a had an aluminum baseball bat in his pants leg. And he pulled it out. Walk behind somebody and hit him behind the head and knocked him unconscious. He's in a stable condition, but he was arrested. But he was only arrested for assault. Wait a minute. What happened to attempted murder? He, he tried to kill him. And then they let him back out on bail, $7,500. He's back out on the street. Wait a minute. You don't want that individual back out on the street because he's liable to do again and worse. Jesus said in the book of Matthew, chapter 24 and verse 12, and because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. They want to empty the prisons. We have people in Congress that are like saying we should pass law to empty the prisons. I'm like saying, are you crazy? You want to let murderers, rapists, sexual perverts out of prison? You got to be crazy. You've got to be out of your ever-living mind. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? There's no communion. You don't see light agreeing with darkness. When light shows up, darkness flees. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Can, can they be on one accord? No. Christ and Satan can never be on one accord. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Any, it, can an unbeliever have part with unbeliever? You mean to tell me that unbelievers can sit in heaven with believers? No. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? You see, in the true temple of God, there are no idols. In the true temple of God is only one God. And that is God the Father through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7 and verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. We that have done a reset, we've made critical adjustments to align ourselves 
with the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. It was over two years in the making. Sadly, many resumed and are worse than before, and our death will seal our fate. Case in point, you know, having crept in unawares, we see that in the United Methodist Church, the the homosexuals, the sodomites have crept in unaware in places, so much so that the United Methodist Church has seen over 140 local churches sever its association from the main body because of the sins of abortion and sodomy. Over the hundreds of thousands of Methodists in this denomination, they weren't forced to remain the main body and throw out the ones that are in sin. No, the ones that are in sin took over the main body and it forces the ones that want to live holy for God out of their denomination. You see, that's what's happening in the world today. There's an infiltration. There's an infiltration that's, that had taken place. Uh, and intruders has taken place in certain denominations. We see this in the Baptists, Southern Baptists. Southern Baptists have had sexual immorality problems with their pastors. And they kept it under wraps. So nobody would know about it until somebody exposed it. You see, even though what was ha what has happened with Twitter in terms of, of, of revealing that there has been widespread censorship, we also see that in the church, the same thing is happening. By the way, this is Luke chapter 12 and verse 2 happening. That the places where they thought that, that they were safe were their secret sins. It is now being exposed for Luke chapter 12 and verse two says there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. That means everybody's little secret. Everybody's safe secret will be exposed. No one is safe when it comes to secrets. And so 140 churches have said we out that the main body is now full of sin. And that's exactly what Satan wants. But you see, Satan is not going to stop there. He is not satisfied with kicking out the righteous. He wants to make the righteous as evil as the organization. And the ones that refuse to cave in and comply are the ones that are simply saying, I don't want to have anything part of this because the Bible says to be separate. But we see that now this is a consistent pattern. The main body goes against scripture and then the rest of the denomination makes a decision to walk away. They've tried desperately to keep it together, but because of the sin that is in the main body, they cannot fellowship. And that's why John said what he said. He said, if we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You've been listening to our Prevailing Word podcast channel on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Please check out our Prevailing Word Live YouTube channel. Links are also available on our Prevailing Word Ministries Facebook page. 
I'm Fred Rochester. Thanks for listening.